Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Mmm. Delicious, as always. <laughs> I was ready for that this morning. Today is Tuesday, July 7th. And I am looking at my clematis, clematis, as my grandmother would say. And this one that I have, I've been trying to establish a clematis in this spot for 10 years, ever since we moved in. And I bet I've planted like five different ones here. And I finally had one going pretty good. And then this last winter, it didn't, the, the dry wood didn't overwinter anyway. And I know that they like to have their heads in the sun and their feet in the shade. And maybe there's just not enough shade down here right now. Maybe I should create artificial shade since the columbine aren't really growing up around here like usual. But the other thought I was having then is perhaps I should stop trying to establish a clematis on that spot. <laughs> this goes against my stubborn nature, as I'm sure some of you are rolling your eyes at me thinking that very thing. Garden's looking pretty this morning. You guys will have to tell me if you mind my garden tour on the way to the arbor. Hmm. It's looking like that little delphinium needs more water that I just planted. I have got most of my drip system things figured out now. So I'm feeling pretty happy about that. So they all seem to be flowing well. And the happy begonias are happily growing. The baby group pot. I think something's getting in there and eating those leaves again. This may be another one I'd have to give up. I planted another new clematis over on the other side here under the grape arbor sort of Coaxing, I planted a wisteria and a clematis to try to coax some new vines up those walls. And I have a clematis over here that I think I've mentioned before um, underneath the grapevine. And it's doing fine. Like maybe that one spot's just way too hot for it. Maybe I should dig it up and plant something else there. What's a vine that really likes a hot, dry location? So anyway, you're not here for the gardening. <laughs> well, I think you have to be. Who knows what you all are here for? Huh. It's a very still morning. We are sort of moving towards monsoon season. We're starting to get more of the afternoon clouds. Not tons of rain yet, but moving in that direction. So I'm very excited <laughs> about a thing that no reasonable person would be excited about. But I'm very excited <laughs> about a meeting I'm going to tonight. I'm going to go to a meeting of El Dorado's Conservation Committee. And you may be saying to yourselves, Jeffy, why? 
you want to go to a meeting of the Conservation Committee. And it is a Zoom meeting because pandemic. But, um, <laughs> so here's the deal. I don't think I've talked about this on here. Forgive me if I have. I know I told um, Kelly Robson all about it. But it's called Project Greenbelt. I'm going to make it a tag. <laughs> Because you may be hearing about it for a while. Either you'll be hearing about it for a while or it'll all get kiboshed tonight. So, since the pandemic started, we have been taking longer walks outside in our neighborhood. Um, you know, we were just really happy when the weather got nice enough that we could be outside. And we just started taking longer walks and going to kind of more places exploring more and I felt like I had more time you know back to that thing of why did I feel like I have more time I no longer feel that way so it was I think it was an artifact of something maybe of adjusting to going places less so anyway there is this where we live is an unincorporated community and the houses are very rural, very natural landscape, spaced apart nicely. It's one of the wonderful things about it here. And I knew that when we were looking at houses, that our real estate agent, who was a total nincompoop, I mean, by the time we were done, I loathed this woman. And I don't feel that way about many people, but I couldn't wait to have her out of my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the worst ever. I I could tell you stories, but I won't because we're telling this story. Although she did nearly get us killed <laughs> by pulling out in front of a speeding car because she was talking and wasn't paying attention. Um, I am justified in my despising this one. So anyway, she would talk about, well, this house is on the green belt, but she didn't know that much about El Dorado and which is our community. And I don't know, she would just be, she was unclear on so many details, you know. And so we'd say, what is green belt? And, and how do you know where the green belt is? Is it marked? And she didn't really know. But it turns out that between large, that there are large areas sort of like, I'm not describing this well. So if you imagine like the, there's the roads and then you have like your cul-de-sacs and circles coming in off the roads and the houses face out onto the natural landscape that there are strips of the natural landscape in between the houses in the middle that are common property. They are the green belt, not owned by anyone. And you know, and it's a it's a great feature of this community. And a lot of the animals, that's part of why we have so much wildlife here, because the animals use it. Well, we go on this circuit of roads, the road that our house is on. We go out. This is our typical walking path. We walk up to the big main road, which is paved, and we walk down the paved hiking, biking trail um, down essentially two blocks. We skip a cul-de-sac and go down to the next through street. And we turn left on that street, turn left on that street, and then come back up to our street. And that's a little over a mile. It's a, a pretty basic one mile circuit. It's where David used to walk our dog before our dog died. It's um, just sort of our standard loop. Well, if we're feeling frisky, <laughs> I'm sorry if this is boring. We can go down a longer loop where we keep going on the 
hiking, biking trail, the paved trail, all the way down to the next sort of like major intersection, another paved road. And I distinguish this because a lot of our neighborhood roads are not paved. They're dirt or chipped. And so if we walk down to that next major intersection, that is where the school is, the senior center, the library, all of that stuff. And I had no, and then we could like come back on a series of neighborhood roads farther up, and, and that's a much longer loop. But I had noticed that there was a little green, um, I don't know what you call it, like a post. We'll call it a post. It's like one of those flexible posts that kind of like looks like the, um, like the reflector poles, the delineator posts alongside the highway, that sort of thing. Only this is green, and it said green belt access. And so one day I said, let's try walking up this. And David, being accommodating as he is, said, okay. And it was this lovely little dirt sort of deer trail, nicely groomed, that wound its way up through and then pops out on the road that we normally take that first left on. And so it was really cool. And we could then continue walking up the roads back up to our house. And then one day I was feeling particularly frisky and I tried going the other direction too. It kind of looks like it's going to a little transfer station, but it actually continues past that. And the trail winds its way much, much farther west and goes through all sorts of interesting things. Beautiful walking trail. So, okay, that's a lot of backstory dump for the beginning of the story. <coughs> Excuse me. Thank you. Thank you, Laura. <laughs> so, what I would like to do, I started thinking about this. Every time I would walk, I would look. And I can, from the road that we turn left on, I'm trying to do this without giving the actual street name, so it's confusing, where that Greenbelt Trail pops out. If you stand there and look up, I can sort of look up the slope and I can see our house, you know, about what, like half a mile up, something like that. So I conceived this idea that I would love it if there's a trail that comes from our road that cuts down through that green belt between the houses and connects to that other trail, right? So that way we wouldn't have to walk on the roads or the paved hiking, biking trail at all. <clears throat> so I was talking to Kelly about this one morning and saying how I'd conceived of this whole plan. And one day when David didn't feel like walking, ah, an ant is biting me between my toes. Don't do that. The ant is fine, reader. I set it free. Despite the between toe bitings. So one day I had even tried walking, foraging my way up through the desert and stuff. I wore my thicker hiking boots, and try to see if I could find a trail up through there. Um, not find a trail, but, you know, just sort of see if I could make my way through there. I did it without David because David's very sensitive to trespassing. You know, he's a Wyoming boy, and he's um, doesn't, yeah, he could, that's a, no better way to put it. He's very sensitive to trespassing. <laughs> I think part of him still thinks that people might shoot him, <laughs> which, you know, in Wyoming they might, so fair enough. So it definitely goes through. And when I was showing it to Kelly and showing her the maps and trying to explain this to her, 
she who you know she's very good at this kind of thing it's sort of part one of the things she does as part of her environmental consulting work and she said well you know look there is actually a sliver of green belt in here and she pointed out to me where it is and or maybe i told her that i saw that there was sliver of green belt it's very small it's very narrow here and which is interesting because our ninny of a real estate agent had told us we didn't have any at all so i was surprised when i got out the plats and saw that actually we do have a narrow sliver and i thought it went between our house and the house next to us we're four they're six but it turns out the green belt comes up between six and eight but we could still if we got the path to go down through that um we David and I could make a path down from our house and connect to it. So anyway, I emailed the converse, conversation committee. I'm sure they are a conversation committee also. The conservation committee and proposed this. And they're very interested in the idea. And, you know, they said we'd have to get buy-in from the property owners. And I said, well, I don't know how you guys do that, but I'm willing to volunteer. I'm willing to be that girl. I can write a good letter, <laughs> persuasive letter. Uh, so anyway, tonight I'm going to the committee to propose it under new business. So so we'll see. We'll see what will happen. But I'm I'm hopeful. There, the major sticking point is that there is a pinch where the houses from a cul-de-sac on the north side and a road on the south side those houses are set so far back on their property lines that it's actually a fair, fairly narrow pinch between them and i'm thinking that that is the will those people mind having a trail going past their houses you know and so much for me of this for me is inspired by having been in scotland and ireland to a lesser extent though it was true in ireland uh, but in Scotland, you know, that there were those trails that went across property lines and anybody's allowed to walk on the trails. Uh, it doesn't, you know, which, which freaked David out for a while until he settled down. But, you know, it's, you, you can walk anywhere and it's, it's considered to be part of being a human being living in the place that you get to walk on these trails, even if it crosses somebody's land. <clears throat> I'm very fond of walking. <laughs> I have to add that hashtag too, right? So, um, you know, and another place I saw it was in Lake Geneva. Is that Lake Geneva? I'm trying to think of, I know that I was like in that neighborhood and a friend from Chicago suggested it came down. I think that's where it was, where all the houses are around the lake and big, beautiful houses. And they have a trail that goes all the way around the lake. Um, and it cross, you know, everybody's property goes up to the edge of the lake, but they all, when they buy those properties, agree to maintain that trail. And some did it better than others, but you could walk entirely around that lake. Um, there's other places like that, like in um, uh, Providence, Rhode Island, you, the cliff walk. You can walk along the cliffs beneath the houses. And Ogunquit, Maine, they had it like that. So this is my project, Project Greenbelt. And I just spent 15 minutes telling you all about that. Uh, so let's see, what else? Um, I am, I got another 3,000 on um, Dark Wizard. So I'm like past 11,000 words. 
and I'm still loving this story. I did get edits back last night from editor Jenny on The Promised Queen. She, her ears were burning, right? Because we were talking about her yesterday. Um, and they're not too bad. Although, I sent her, I think I told you guys, 118K. And she says she'd like the finished version to be 112 to 115. So all those times that I've told you guys that in my edits I never have to cut, I always have to add. Shame on me, now I have to cut. Um, but she does want me to add a bit to the end, which I'm glad because I wanted to add more to the end. I felt like there were a couple of scenes that still needed to be expanded and one or two added. But she said, so she sends me two things. She sends me the marked up manuscript in track changes. She just attaches the word docs to the email. And then the other one is the edit letter. So she sends me an email and says lovely things to me in the email and then attaches the edit letter. And, you know, that was just like two pages long. I can read that pretty fast. And then I have to go through the comments and the manuscript. So she said she felt like that the first half could move faster up until this certain point, which was midpoint. And that if I, that she has places where she thinks I can trim and tighten. And then I'll have more room at the end. So we'll see. It's not a massive amount to cut. I mean, I've, I know people who've had to cut like 20 or 30,000 words. <laughs> so, you know, so I'm looking at cutting, well, maybe six, three to six, right? Dependent, but I have to add two. So, so we'll see. She just wants it back by August 10th. I think I said that. So I'm going to finish working on Dark Wizard this week. Um, if I keep up at my 3,000 words a day this week, I can get up through the first act climax on Dark Wizard. And I might spend a couple of days next week going back and fleshing out those first couple of chapters. Because remember, I decided to go ahead and skip the world building and go straight to that pivotal scene, the, the core scene, I guess I should call it. So I might decide how much lead up I want before that core scene. I might be able to just go straight to it and then weave in some of the backstory. So, and then that still gives me several weeks to work on. I was, look, I was glad I, that you guys made me look that up yesterday yesterday that I spent 19 days uh, revising Fiery Crown, but this will not be nearly so massive of, of an edit. And I think what I might do is I might go through and look at all of Jenny's notes on the cutting and tightening first and go through and do a massive tighten. And then, and, and I save all my outtakes in an outtakes document. And then go back and revise from the beginning, reading along to make sure I didn't lose anything. Because every once in a while when we do that, we lose some critical piece of information. And then inevitably there will be a reader review later where they'll say, but she never explained how they got the apples in the basket in the first place. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that just got lost. It was like five words that got cut at some point and never added back in correctly. Um, which I don't, I don't mind at all. I mean, that's just, I always kind of kick myself. It's like, oh yeah, I forgot. We, 
when we cut the whole apple picking scene. <laughs> we never did explain how the apples got in the basket. So, uh, I think that's what I'm going to do. Uh, Jenny said many nice things about the book. She said that most of her in-text comments were just hearts. <laughs> so, that's nice to know. And, yeah. I, the other thing I'm going to do is I'm going to finish listening to the audiobook of Orchid Throne. And now that the audiobook of Fiery Crown is out, which I totally forgot to mention, um, and maybe I should, like, I'll, I'll put it link to it in the in the podcast notes, right? <laughs> ha ha ha. Um, no, I should put it up somewhere. I should advertise that because the audiobook is now available. I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm going to listen to both of those, and that way I'll make sure to catch all of my little threads. So that's where I'm at. I hope you guys are at good places too. Um, Maria Vale emailed me back and she said a nice thing about the podcast. She said that it makes her happy to hear my voice, um, especially in these, these times. And, you know, I think we're all feeling, you know, I think we're all feeling isolated in weird ways, you know, and it's funny because I don't want to do a zoom meeting and yet I feel, I do feel isolated in ways. So, but we're not, we're all in this together. We're all out there. We're just in our houses, right? <laughs> Staying out of the bars. All right. I will talk to you all on Thursday. First Cup of Coffee is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network. And you'll find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And you all take care. Okay. Bye-bye.